2: Welcome to the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me this week's analysis show are our good friends and our panellists, Rich Steele and Adam Dennett. We are looking back, Clarets, on a fantastic return to football in the new year period. The Clarets, two wins out of two, we've now had six wins on the bounce, ten wins from the last ten years. Sorry, 10 wins from the last 11 games. Uh, five points clear at the top of the table, looking pretty much certain for automatic promotion. Uh, more importantly, I think is it, we're 14 points now clear of our neighbours down the road in third. So certainly looking favourites for automatic promotion. Um, we're the highest scorers in the all four divisions with 52 goals. Um, and this week, Supercomputer down at 5.38 has us... Winning the league with 91 points. Two wins to discuss today. We've got that 1-0 win away at Stoke and a 2-1 victory away at Swansea. Rich, let's come to you first. On paper, New Year's Games, one against Stoke and one at Swansea, both away from home, despite Swansea's performance at Turf Moor, did look on paper to be quite tricky fixtures. And I think it's fair to say they actually ended up being tricky fixtures.
3: Yeah, two really difficult away games. As the old cliche says, there's there's not many easy games in the championship, but we've seemed to dispel that uh, that, <laughs> that recently with you know with some of the wins we've gotten. I don't want to say you are expected to you know just to come away and win comfortably, but um, I thought Stoke actually give us a better game than I was expecting. Um, you know, I worked down near, near near Stoke and their fans were like, "Oh, we're horrendous at the moment." You know, you're put three or four past us, but. I thought Stoke were very physical. I think yeah. they were personally quite unlucky not to come away with something uh, from the game at times. I think Murich made a fantastic save for a corner. They were threats, um, you know, from set pieces. Swansea then away was a different task. We know how good they are on the ball. I think their possession's actually higher than us this year, which is really interesting.
2: Mm.
3: And I thought uh, both teams actually didn't let us play from the back as much first half. They screened our midfield um, better. But I think this team's got a you know, got a lot got a lot tougher, hasn't it, recently? We're not we don't just lie down and, and roll over as much that as much as we used to under pressure. And you always know that we've that we've got threats going forward. And as you mentioned in the you know, before we started recording Natalie, we've you know, we have got threats from all over the pitch. Mm. Matton getting two, culling, Cullin getting one. You no, know, we're not just relying on our forward players. Um, yeah, no, so to win six games on a bounce since that really bad Sheffield United defeat. You know, and five wins from that Christmas yeah. period, and you know the Christmas period is where you is almost when you expect to uh, you know to drop points. You see QPR, um, you know, getting a point off Sheffield the other day, very very close to beating them. So for us to go and win all those games, is an absolutely phenomenal effort. And like you said, five points clear of uh, second, but more most importantly, fourteen points clear of third, and it's just looking a inevitability. And this team's just going from strength to strength all the time. It really is an absolute joy to watch at the moment and I'm fully enjoying it
2: yeah me too i keep i keep talking to of my friends who are supporters of other clubs particularly premier league clubs and they'll call me and say my goodness your boys are flying out there and i just think yeah it's like i just i don't want this season to end um Adam, Rich made a really good point there. And it's something that I think has been a theme throughout this new year period. And it's this idea of this grittiness returning to this side, um, actually maybe not returning, actually just developing in this side and, and, a, and a grittiness we haven't yet seen before. And that to me was more obvious in the Stoke game, more so than the Swans game because as Rich said, they were very physical with us. They didn't give us the respect that other teams maybe have done. They didn't, sit off us and just let us play or you know, they, they just they got it right and they, they were really unlucky I mean how important do you think it needed to be to see that resilience coming into and, and that professionalism in this side
4: yeah massive um, I think that was that was the only thing stopping us earlier in the season um, and to see us learn from that run of games where we were looked like we had a soft soft underbelly and we were conceding yeah. goals and then and come back to what we are now uh, is, like Rich said, it's, it's a joy to watch. You, it's as if, like, you love to see when teams, and we probably haven't seen it as much recently, when teams learn from mistakes and develop and get better, and we've seen that from the off uh, under company. There wasn't one thing from the Sheffield United game, and there was a lot of probably noise around that. Company was really calm. Um, yeah. In the interview afterwards, it really filled me with confidence that he's not going to be fair, not going to get too far ahead of himself when we're winning games, not going to get too down when we're, when we're losing. And you, it's just a very clear message from him throughout. And, and you can see exactly what they're trying to do. I struggled early on watching us. Um, I think I were more in like Tom's camp, um, it, watching the sideways passing and slow passing and trying to wear teams down not showing as much intent as you'd probably hope. It, it, I found it difficult. And I said that to some of my friends at home and, and they've given me grief uh, ever since, really. Like, coming in from, like, 3 nil wins, like, against Birmingham, they're like, oh, yeah, you must be really, really struggling to watch this. What, what, <laughs> what the, what, you, you must be hating Boy, yourself for <laughs> all these years of, uh, of, uh, of dashboard. You no, know, it, it, it really, there isn't any, The really isn't much negative spin you can put in at the moment. But um, I think companies learn the substitutions, as we mentioned on the podcast before, um, have, have been brilliant. We've we've looked more confident. We've looked stronger. Uh, and like we'll probably come on to the second half performances in both games were, mm. were brilliant after we've been under a lot of pressure in the first half. And I think there were two very similar away games earlier in the season at West Brom and Birmingham where teams put us yes. under pressure and we did buckle towards Ooh, the that end. West
2: Brom game, yeah, especially. Yeah,
4: and, and that that may be a bit of a blueprint that especially Stoke probably used against us. Um, and yeah, great to see us come through them tough games and find a different way to win. Loved it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's, that's probably one of the points that, that you raised earlier on, Rich, and that um, ability to... Um, come through tricky spells, particularly when we're not been at our best. You very much put down to a willingness by company to be proactive with the substitutions rather than reactive. And that's something that you've been particularly impressed with this season.
3: I think I think there's a lot of different factors. Um, I think Howard Bellis and Bayer are maturing all the time as a as a centre back partnership. I think, you know, they're both very young players getting used to the physicality of, of the league and Harvard Bellis is just getting better and better all the time. I think Another thing that I've noticed, and and I particularly noticed it in the QPR game after after the break when I went to Loftus Road, second half like someone like Matson, he's not getting as caught high up the pitch. Mm, you know when the, the same revive of Vatignol when he was playing or Roberts. You know they kind of once we have that lead, they'll still get forward, but they're not just bombing on on the overlap as, as much and leaving massive spaces. I think Cork and Cullen are willing to sit a little bit deeper when we when we're protecting a lead now. Um, so yeah, it's just really, you know, it's just really lovely to see, and going back to what you're saying about being proactive, um, you know, you've seen he's brought Charlie Taylor on in the last couple of games, which, yeah. listen, it is a defensive substitution, you know, you can't get away from that, but when teams are just bombing the ball to the back post, Matson, you know, as well as he's playing, when you're five foot six, whatever he is, he's not going to be able to head of the ball, um, you know, so having Taylor there just shores it up a little bit, you know, and, and Taylor's still a fantastic player for me, I think, you know, he was one of our best players in the Premier League consistently. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I do like about company. It's all as what Dice would do, um, all all the good Dice did. You almost felt at times he was waiting for us to concede a goal before he would make a change.
2: Yeah, you know, like
3: um, you know, like on against Swansea, so just didn't play well. He got booted a little bit. You know, he brought Gunmanson off again, maybe a little bit more of a defensive substitution, but to know that he would just shore it up. So yeah, like I said, I think overall we've become more pragmatic. We've got that know-how to see out games a little bit and companies definitely help with his substitutions. I think he understands the championship now and knows what he has to do to win football matches.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I, you just very much get the sense, don't you, that um, he would want to... Um, Wishes as a player that he played in the championship, you, you can see that in him. You kind of you can almost see him kicking every ball. Um, Adam, another factor in this evolution of this side is, is something that's a bit of a hangover from the beginning of the season and, and perhaps played into some of our fears. Um, and that is this idea that this team shares the goals around. As I said at the outset of this program, we are the highest scoring team in all four leagues with 52 goals. Um, but there's not been one. Out and out store. We've not we've not got a Vings partnership like we had in the 2014 promotion season, where you've got two strikers banging in 20 goals each. You've got you know the, the Swansea game. Our left back scored the two, one of which an absolute screamer. I would add, um, just scoring out of nowhere. Josh Cullen was the Swansea striker, and it's it a scorer. Sorry, not striker. Definitely wasn't playing front um, scorer. And I still. I still feel like we need more of an attacking threat up front, but that must send a message to the championship that actually maybe that traditional model of how you get out of the championship is being ripped up a little bit by this very forward-thinking modern Burnley side.
4: That was my biggest worry at the start of the season. Yeah, me too. You look at, you look at previous championship seasons, even with Burnley, we've had Paterson, Um Ings uh, and Grey all get 20 plus goals in our promotion seasons. Even looking at last season, Mitrovic scored 40 goals for Fulham, yeah. Solanka scored 30 goals for Bournemouth, that's what gets you promoted. And listening to Company in pre season saying about sharing the goals around, in my mind, I'm thinking that's all good when you've played for Man City all your career, but we need a goal <laughs> scorer. And yeah. and to be to be completely I would, I would I've been proven wrong the we, we look a threat all over Me the too. pitch and i was looking at uh, some stats before we've got nine players got four or more goal contributions which is like wow i've uh, not seen shit. that that's crazy yeah. um it, it, and they are, and they're not even it's not coming from a core group who are starting every game anyone who's on the pitch looks a threat um and you've got to give company all the credit for that um, because yeah, I, I didn't see that coming and it definitely allays my fears in terms of if we get a strike this January, I'm hoping it's just an upgrade on Barnes or, um, Dervis Oglu rather than, uh, rather than like being worried that we need one to be able to see us over the line, which yeah. uh, we, we don't at the minute. You
2: no, know, interesting reports coming out of Dervis Oglu actually that, um, VK was saying that him Brentford and Burnley are going to sit down and review the terms of his loan um, not that he's doing anything wrong but he's clearly not got the games that he wanted because the team, I think companies acknowledge the team and the attacking options have evolved more than he thought he was and if you send a player out on loan you've got to want to expect them to be starting otherwise what's the point in sending them on loan they may as well stay at the home club so um, I do wonder whether or not he might be on his way out in January maybe to a different club but we'll see um, Rich, right back at you, let's go completely the other end of the pitch and let's talk about the other Marmite in our team and that is, of course, Murich, our absolute amazing keeper who I adore immensely, um, but very much Splits fans. Uh, we put a poll out um, last week on Twitter and it sparked some discussion about... What we think about our keeper, but you are definitely in the same camp as me, and that you are Murich
3: fan. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's, I think he's getting better all the time. And what, um, you know, he's still a very young goalie. I, I don't exactly know the, you know, the ages of Pope's career, but I think when Pope was Murich's age, he was definitely playing in the lower leagues. He might have even been at York City. And uh, you know, you know, there are times were, be frustrating. One thing I will never ever give him stick from. He's playing out from the back. No. Against, you know, it's amazing. Stoke, you know, against Stoke, he did a you know, one particular bad pass, you know, and the defenders got well. But the amount of great passes he did, you know, when was under pressure, you know, you can actually give the ball back to him. And he plays that ball so well to the full backs. He just chips it over the you know, over the pressing attacker. And it, and he just relieves any pressure. And you know, with the fullbacks where you got it, it just gets you up the pitch. Listen, the one area he's not great at, he struggles to come out for crosses or yeah. just judge the flight to the ball in general. There was one against Stoke. listen, it, it was Bayer's fault, uh, sorry, not, not that one, where Matz has, has just tried to shepherd it to him and he's not come out for an early one. He gathers me as someone who's a little bit of a nervous starter. Some of his mistakes came to, seem to come at the Oh my God, start. that is so you true. Know,
2: yes. Like that,
3: Q, like that QPR one, he should have given away a penalty. Swansea gave a bad kick away early on. I think Stoke a couple of bad kicks and didn't come out for ball. And then as he seems to grow into the game and settle down, he gets better. And then ultimately, like, then he he can, you know, he can make some great saves, like the one from the header against Stoke. So for me, I think he's a valuable asset to this team. Is he perfect? No. Has he got a lot of developing to do? In my opinion, he has yeah. It's really, you know, when we go to the Premier League, I don't think it's an if now. Um, no, it's or not. I'd be absolutely amazed if 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 we do. I don't think even the most pessimistic Burnley fan would even say we're not going to go up now, well you might get the odd view I don't know, but it's going to be really interesting how he does, you know, cope in the Premier League under that pressure um, that's something I'm still very much 50-50 on because there's still a massive I think you've got to understand there's still a big gap between the Championship and the Premier League uh, you know, they're still absolutely huge, so, but yeah I'm happy for him, do you know what, ultimately football's about being entertained, isn't it? You, know, you pay your money, you want to be entertained and he definitely does that. He's definitely an entertainer. Um. So yeah, got got nothing but good things to say about him. I think just as come well, up across. it a little bit better. Yeah. Just a little. Just a little. You know, I can't uh, just come out. You know, that's. But I think we have been spoiled with Pope, haven't we? You know, he could come out and and catch a golf ball in the crowd. So, um. You know, it's difficult to judge Murić against him.
2: But then Pope couldn't play out from the back, so. You know.
3: Well. To be fair, I think there's a couple of you know, I think the fella who sits near me would rather Pope just kick it into the Bob Lord than watch oh, me pass no. it out from the back and uh, I had to swap seats with my dad, but that's another story <laughs> if you're listening to this. That,
2: that that's for um the No and Never podcast after dark. Uh, yeah, We'll we'll put our uh, our <laughs> more mature episode on for that. Hey, that might be a thing actually. What are our stories? I think, as Rich just said then, it looks like it's a matter of when, not if, we do go back to the Premier League. Um, I think when I mentioned the supercomputer that 538 have, I think they had something like 90% chance of going up automatically, which is crazy. Only 11% chance that we will go into the playoffs. That's... Mad starts. Um Does it? Do we go up as champions? And secondly, does it bother you either way? Is it just a case of going up? I know how where I sit with this, so I'd be interested to see what you think.
4: Uh, I'd say, as as a more probably conservative fan, I'd, any any promotion is uh, would be good enough for me, especially given the start of the season, but the position we're in now and the form that we're on. I can't see anything but us winning the league. Um, it'll be really, really interesting to see if Sheffield United can keep up and if we can keep this up, because yeah. we are by far away um, at the moment, the best two teams in the league. Middlesbrough and West Brom, obviously, if they want to start from such a low base when they change managers, they both shown signs of being really mm. good sides. Um, but the gap is, um, well, it, it looks unassailable at the moment, I think as pessimistic as I would be looking at it, if I were on the other side of it in that group of teams below us, I wouldn't be thinking we're getting anywhere near. Yeah, um, exactly.
2: Yeah, and, so, and our neighbours don't think that either. And it, it's, I always say this, when when we won the East Lanks Derby and I saw some of the comments on social media from Blackburn fans, I took—I gave a lot of stock to that and I took a lot of, you know, they, they resonated with me because I know how hard I would find it as a fan to post anything nice or give them any credit, and for them to be able to do it in a public forum shows that it's justified. And hearing them saying, "Well, there's no way we, we're catching them; they're going to win it," I, I think that that's very credible. Um, Rich, do you are you bothered about the title? Because I'll tell you what, I am. I'm, I'm not as conservative as Adam, and I am much more competitive. And I think I still maintain that we are the best side in this division and we deserve to be champions. It'd be interested to see what you think.
3: I think at times when we watch us, we're playing a different sport than some of these teams yeah. in the championship. Honestly, like I watched Blackburn and Cardiff and all the pitch wasn't great, it looked like it was a game from the nineteen nineties. Yeah. The standard and, and the pitch and, and the atmosphere and just the dullness of the whole situ of the whole game and everything. Um it's nothing to do with Blackburn being boring, but it's got a little bit of it in the That's a boring uh,
1: stuff. <laughs> no,
3: listen, Blackburn's... I think what blackburn has got is they've got some really good individual players. You know, they've got like Diaz, Bradley, Darts. I-, I like Gallagher. They've got a good defense, but they're not as exciting to watch as us. I think Sheffield. You were a good team. I think N N J is a fantastic player. You know, he You know, I think he's absolutely fabulous. Um, but yeah, again, it, it's what I go back to. I can't see us not winning the league. Same. I'm not bothered about it. Yeah, if, yeah, of course you're bothered. You know, you want to be the best, don't you? In the league that you play, what's the point in doing anything in in any you know in sport if you're not going to try and be the best against your competitors gold medal you've got um,
2: I, rich i do the exactly, same when i'm playing you know, poker I, I go for the win you go for first place you know, place. Course,
3: you know and, and, and i think and i think that's a mentality that'll keep us driving forward and i think then you know i don't get i am getting a bit far ahead of myself but then it's like right we get promoted what other records can we break we score the most you know can we get yeah. over 100 points and you know, can we do something that no other Burnley team's done? Um, You know, I, I think that's, you know, I think somebody that computer has got us down for 91 points. I think we'll yeah. get more than that, if I'm yeah. being honest. You know, as the way it stands, like, Adam made a, a brilliant point there about Middlesbrough and, you know, and West Brom. I think if they had the managers in at the start of the season, we wouldn't be as far a- ahead, you know, but... Middlesbrough, they were flying coming into the game against us and we beat them 3-1 at yeah. Moor. beat Blackburn 3-0 who were third, you know, so like I said, away games are always a little bit more tougher but then we beat QPR 3-0 who drew against Sheffield United I just, I, f- I think what we've got is we've got such good options at the bench, you know, Zaruri didn't play well, you can bring Benson on, you can bring Gunnison on, you know, Scott Twine is for me is an incredibly talented player and we've not even seen him. no, We've not. You know, he's played, like, what, 10 minutes or something? in yeah. uh, twenty Half an hour in total. You know, 10 minutes since, since he's come back from injury. So, all these are just so positive. And, like I said, it's, you know, before I'd, I'd go to games and I'd be like, oh, we might not win. And now I'm just like, now, now we've got that bit of grittiness. I'm like, well, we can win in different ways. So, going back to, listen, I do want to win the title. But, ultimately... Looking long term, I know this it doesn't probably have any correlation. Brentford only got up in the playoffs two seasons ago and look what they're doing as a club now. So it is about getting back up there and then what do we do in that summer of recruitment. No, that's looking way ahead. But yeah, like I said, it's I just can't say it's getting anything but champions. So when yeah, I definitely want you want to say you're the best of the best, don't you? Yeah, so.
2: definitely. Um Moving slightly on, then, obviously, we are now in January. The transfer window is four days old. Um, We have been hit with some quite surprising news that Matt Lawton and uh, Westwood are on their way out, which surprised me, but then also didn't surprise me once. I'd got used to that. Um, I think they're sad because they're the old guard still, and, and, you know, we we didn't necessarily want um, to lose everybody from from our last decade, but they're on their way out, and I think um, probably right, considering the way that this team has evolved. Um, But certainly the the transfer mill is, is is crazy. this is what happens when you're in this position that we are in that everybody gets linked to you and everybody wants to come and play for you. I think just from what I've looked at today, we are linked with Semenyo from Bristol City, uh, Michael, Orber Femi from Swansea. I'm saying these clearly because you know what I'm like with pronunciation and I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, Cody drama from Leeds. Um, we've mentioned Dervis ogloo who's going to go back to Brentford, we think, possibly. Sam Surridge from Forest. He's been linked as well. All attacking players. Um, Adam, is that is that the only position that really we should be concentrating on is just to shore up that attacking threat? Or is there anywhere else you'd like to see us strengthen?
4: Yeah, that's that's probably the only area of the, of the pitch you could... You could. Probably say we could strengthen. Uh, the only other thing I'd like to see us do, if if there's the chance to do it, is maybe snap up one or two of the loan players on permanence, if if we can. Um, especially if there's talk of us bringing another loan loan in or a couple of loans in. Uh, you worry about, and I'm sure it wouldn't be the case, but a lot of Knox Forest key players last year were loan players, and when they lost them in the summer, obviously would we won't go and sign twenty players or whatever again, but. It, it it takes a lot to replace a core of a side, and you've got obviously Bayer Howard Howard Bellis, uh, Teller Matston. They're all. It's obviously we've got a really good squad, but they are big. Not big ours. Players. Yeah.
2: Um, I did hear actually just pause you there, Adam. Uh, somebody did tell me when we we're um, on the game on Boxing Day that apparently the Bayer deal is a done deal. Apparently it was a term of his of his loan that there was a, a five million. Pound five million euro, I think, um, by clause if we got promoted. So if we got promoted, we can trigger it and he, he stands with us. So that might be a done deal already.
4: Yeah, that'd be great. And then you read read Southampton being linked with uh Orsic today in the press, um, which would obviously take up a bit of a um an attacking position there. To be honest, with Teller, uh, I think you just hope he stays on loan. So if, if there's a decent price going, you probably want to take him. But yeah, um, I think Rich has said a few times. I don't know if you want to come in on, on teller Rich and yeah, it's just uh, just
3: just mentioning Arsic, another one there uh, uh, that Southampton deals fell through now. Oh, has it? So, oh, I it? What, oh. so like I seen Everton Malink again. I think his agents play some. I think his agent plays some. Very very funny games and uh, there was a re- there was a report in, in the Turkish press that we've agreed a fee for a um a Moroccan central midfielder who's a captain of a team but again I don't know how, how true that is please do not ask me to pronounce his name <laughs> like that is a, like uh, that is a real difficult one um he was at Monaco and Bordeaux and ended up in Turkey so again we'll we'll see what happens there. I think I think Bayer to me out of all the lone players is the one that's most likely to come yeah. I, I don't know why. I per- if we go up, I think Howard Bellis will do a season on loan at us. I think me and you had a discussion about it, didn't we? I think he's got such talent. I don't think City will be willing to let him go just yet on a permanent. Will he be good enough for City in the future, knowing how good they are? Because they're not just top
2: next like, level the top team. Yeah.
3: They're the elite of the elite. You know, you've got to be a you know a you know, and I'm not saying he can't get that, but it's still a big step up. I think Matson will play for Chelsea. I really do. I think the yeah. he develops. And I, I Matson. I know George was un, was a bit unsure. Matson is the most improved player this season out of all the new players who's come in for me because he was really shaky defensively and he's really, he's always, he's, he's obviously talented on the ball. He's got great pace. And I think... It was after that, that sending thought,
2: off for me, I think, Rich, that he changed, when he got sent off, I think that that changed yeah, his mindset and, a little
3: you know, bit. No, listen, he was out, yeah, he was out the team a little bit. Bettino went left-back and I think, and I think he's just un, understood his role a little bit more, I think. Going back to what we said, uh, out of all the crucial games we've had this season, I think that Coventry away one to hold on to that 1-0 lead after we, you know, Birmingham, we drew one all, Stoke, we give away a lead. I think that so, And I think Matson since then has just got better and better and better. Teller, I'm fi- this will upset a lot of people who, who love Teller. I'm 50-50, why? I'm, I'm 50-50 on whether he'll be good enough
2: yeah, to go I'm to saying. the Premier
3: League. The, you know, we, we still can't forget that there is still a massive, massive jump between the Championship and the Premier League. Look how good, for example, someone like Scott Arfield was or David Jones in the Championship. And then you step up and it is a different kettle of fish. Teller is a very good player. He's infectious. I think he loves everything about Burnley. But still at times, his touch and his decision-making does let him down. And in the Premier League, you've got to be so crisp. You don't get the time on the ball and all the defenders are quicker. So his pace won't be as much of an asset. And I always think yeah, I know he was injured, but Southampton are really poor, and why have they let go of him? If and they're struggling to score goals, and they might recall him. I'm just kind of like, you know, good to you, Adam. How much would we have to pay for Teller? Do you think in this market as a young pet player?
4: Uh, I wouldn't want to pay more than more than probably eight eight million or so. I think eight, I was gonna say eight to nine or 9000000 You probably with the season he's having, scoring eight goals in the championship and getting like decent reviews and. Um, playing in this Burnley side, I think you're talking probably upwards. Of, they might want 12, 50. I don't know how long he's got. So his would contract you pay plans. that?
3: Would, would you pay that personally? When you look at, the value for the no. value for money abroad, and you know you yeah. think Benson costs four million. You know, and it's, yeah. it's like you know, you look at McNeil twenty million. You know, and
2: yeah, I, I'm, very torn, I'm
3: very torn. I'm very torn on whether I'd sign permanently because. You've got a plan for the Premier League and we don't have an unlimited amount of money, you know, to spend. It's a real different. I'm, I'm really torn on that. I've seen a lot of amazing stuff in Teller and I've seen a lot of stuff which I understand why he's not made it yet in the Premier I know he's had injuries and he's maybe not had a consistent run of games. And I think we go back to it. If both Benton and Zaruri are fully fit, where does Teller find himself for Burnley a lot of the time now?
2: Yeah, definitely. He's on the bench,
3: isn't he? So, it's a real... So, going back to the loan players, yeah, you know, out of the ones we've got, it's, it's a difficult one and you've got to still understand that. You've got look at Michael Kitely. Everybody wanted to sign him on that permanent. Sign him, sign him up, sign the contract. He signs me in the Prem. It's a different kettle of fish. So, I think... And I think Pace and company will be really clever about that. But I think, first and foremost, is just get the, and then, you know, and then plan ahead. Like, honestly, now... I think we could do with a striker, but if we didn't sign anyone this summer and said, right, we're saving our money for reserve for the summer, would anyone be too disappointed with it?
2: No, probably not. Probably not, no, it's to be a, fair. It's
3: a real, I don't want to go out and, you know, for, for example, say Sam Surridge or Ob, Bufemi, they're going to cost six, seven million, maybe, if we sign him. I think Forrest have said they'd rather do a permanent. And are those lads going to be good enough for the Prem?
2: Yeah, you know totally this is what yeah. you
3: got to start thinking of it. You know, think, thinking ahead, and I think a loan player, Dervisoglu, does have to go back on loan. Does have to go back to Brentford before we sign anyone. But the issue is, you can't play for a third club. So, oh, so of that, course, yeah. So on, on on loan anyway. So someone would have to buy him permanently. that Um, might
2: be good for us and he might end up staying with
3: us then on that basis well I'd rather get rid of him and get another loan in but that's that's the issue we've got I know Brett could have this B team now which he could play in that or somebody could get him permanent but yeah it's really interesting I I personally think we will get a striker I think company really wants one and I I do think we get one yeah
2: and takes the pressure of Jay a little bit as well doesn't
3: it yeah like Jay's been superb but you can tell he does get fatigued and he can't play game after game after game and Get you know, a bit over bit of a Yeah, he is, yeah. And like, you know, but he's still such a crucial player for us. But yeah, I think it'd be good if we could have someone to share the workload a little bit more because as great as Barnes was in that Blackburn game, when Jay doesn't play, there is a notable drop-off in, in standard. He just can't do the things Jay does, like link up the play and he just doesn't sue Burnley as much anymore, so...
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, we will keep an eye on that, listeners. See what the January transfer wing, wing? transfer window brings. Um, do let us know your thoughts of who you want to see in and what position. You know where to find us. That is all we have time for for this analysis. Short. It's a break from the league this week as we travel down to Bla- uh, Bournemouth. Sorry for the FA Cup third round. A cup run, I think, would be the icing on the cake. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that, and we'll probably bring you some analysis show news next week. To see um the start of burnley's fa the road to burnley's fa cup victory this year that would be something else um otherwise we'll be back um with the previous show for the next league game next week so keep an eye on social media and we will get that published for you this has been the known and ever podcast i've been your host natalie bromley until next time the known and ever podcast is brought to you in association with the talk sport fan network Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whittaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonade Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan
1: Network. No, never Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms
0: apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.